Welcome to a podcast by Kaylee, the gateway to unlocking your unlimited potential. I'm creating an army of six and seven figure makeup artists, and I want you to join me. In this podcast, I'm going to be crushing gatekeeping, opening the doors to the knowledge you need and deep diving into the topics that can push us to the next level. Be prepared for epic guests and answers to the questions you have always wanted to know. No more small business, no more just a makeup artist. The beauty industry is a $250 billion industry and you're in it. Let's get ready to open those gates. This is a podcast by Kaylee. Today, we are talking to the divine Rachel Lusk. Now, I cannot tell you how long I have been a fan of Rachel's. So to have her on the podcast is a really big deal to me, okay? Most of my kit recommendations and the way that I have structured my kit and condensed my kit has been solely down to Rachel and her amazing kit-based content. Rachel is an amazing makeup artist based over in the US, specializing in bridal. She has a magnetic personality. And one of my favorite things about Rachel, and in particular this interview today, is not only how real she is, but the way that she views business and her lifestyle. Her attitude towards rest and a slower pace of life is really inspiring and refreshing. Not only is Rachel an incredible bridal makeup artist, but she also has a fantastic Instagram subscription. Now, I don't follow many Instagram subscriptions, but I am part of Rachel's because she gives away such good gems and nuggets of wisdom over on there. She really is a leader in this industry. And whenever I talk to people, they know who she is and they have nothing but amazing things to say about her, not only as a makeup artist, but as an educator as well. I'm not sure Rachel is aware of her impact in industry or her reputation, but I'm so, so pleased to interview her today. Please welcome the incredible Rachel Lusk. So would you mind telling us, how did you get your start in the makeup industry? Of course. So I always joke and say that, you know, I wish it was me just knowing that this was what I want to do, that I followed my heart, that I just went after my passion. But the reality is, is I graduated high school and I really wanted to be a nurse. I had it dead set in my mind. And I very quickly found that within the first few weeks of college, that higher education was just not for me. And my parents said, you got to go do something with your life. And I had always been really interested in hair and makeup because I had been a dancer and I was very comfortable with the idea of wearing makeup, putting on lashes. So my stepmom said, why don't you try going to beauty school? There's one right down the street. And so I enrolled in beauty school and kind of the rest went history. That was 2006. And here we are in 2023, all these years later. Um, It was not just like this instant success, knowing what the heck I'm doing. I started out as a salon stylist down in Southern California. And then I did like a couple of very small, extremely low budget fashion shows and did some assisting. I moved away from Southern California for a while and really tried to make it as a colorist doing haircuts and colors. I lived abroad in England for a while. Uh huh. I lived up in the Northeast. I loved it. So I, I still have friends that I 
speak to and know still over there. And I invited them to my wedding. Like it was a whole thing. I'm still friends with them and I love them dearly. So it was definitely um, a good experience for me to have a little bit of a culture shock because us Americans are so loud and brash and just not like not not British who are more like polite and not loud and not brash. So um, that took some adjustment, but it was really, really great. And there I got to work more as a colorist and I did some weddings there too. And when I was living in California, the way I kind of got into bridal hair and makeup was I was kind of the only one willing to learn how to do an updo. So that kind of transitioned me into the world of bridal hair and makeup. It was not always super easy. I was a preschool teacher. I was a bartender. I was a waitress. I did anything I could to pretty much like pay the bills. And then my boyfriend turned fiance, now husband. Um, When we got engaged, moved to Napa, I told him like, this is what I can do full time here. I am in this hub of, you know, luxury and destination bridal and weddings and I can do this full time here. And so that was seven and a half-ish years ago. And I've just been full-time committed to my business ever since. Oh, wow. What a story. Oh my goodness. I didn't know half of that, Rachel. Yeah. It's been a very long time coming as Miss Taylor Swift said, but you know, it's been a long time and I've had a lot of experience getting here. So I just feel grateful to be where I am now. Would you mind telling any of the listeners who don't follow you, and they should definitely go and follow you after this, where is your business at right now? Like, what do you do mainly? Today, I am very happy to say that I transitioned pre-pandemic. I transitioned from doing a lot of commercial work and production work. And now I focus solely on just bridal beauty. I really try to focus on offering services for just the bride because that is where I am most at home is when I just work with the bride. Very happy to be doing bridal full time and offering education and traveling and just honestly getting to live a little bit of my dream. So it's been amazing. You mentioned just then you you do bride only. So that's always the goal. Um, my business, I don't have a team. I don't market that I have a team. I don't seek to find assistance to assist me with large bridal parties. A lot of the planners that know me know that I work solo. So if they have someone that is just wanting services for themselves, maybe one other person, they will refer them to me because typically those people are looking for someone more bespoke to take care of them. That's just a little more centered around their experience. And I'm super, super blessed to be represented by a really amazing agency here in the Bay Area that specializes in bridal commercial. Should I ever get a really large party inquiry or it's a wedding that I feel like I'm going to really resonate with, I will actually refer that person to book me through my agency. And, um, you know, my agent will send them all my rates. I establish everything kind of on my own with them in advance rate wise, and they handle the entire booking they do the contract. It's all under the umbrella of the agency. So that also has taken a lot off of my plate. And it's something that I'm incredibly grateful for because 
you know, she really does handle everything. And she's also an artist. She is a veteran makeup artist of, I think, 30 some odd years. So she really knows her stuff. And she really takes care of my clients, which is so important. And it's, I feel fortunate enough to trust her enough to um, refer a huge bulk of my clients too. So that's kind of how the large party aspect of my business is is maintained. But I solely, for me, when Rachel Lusk hair and makeup is booked, I just try to stick to one person because that's my sweet spot. You know, I've been doing this a long time and my back hurts, my knees hurt. I'm old. I cannot do 10 people in a row anymore. I realize that it's humbling for sure. I live for the solo bride. I live for it. I prefer to book solo. I try and encourage, you know, if they have a big party, I try and encourage like them to maybe source another makeup artist as well. I just really love operating a business that way. And I feel very much in the minority sometimes doing that. Do you feel that as well sometimes? Absolutely. Because I feel like we're given this perception that in order to be successful, you have to have a team. In order to be successful, you must book five plus at a minimum. In order to be successful, you need to have bookings on bookings on bookings. When in reality, success for me, I don't want to be booked and busy. I just want to be paid and peaceful. You know what I mean? Like I just want to be, I don't need 10 weddings a weekend. I don't need 10 people in order to run a profitable business because what we set our rates at, that's our decision. Whether or not people book that, that is something totally different because I do get some people that say no, or that's not a good fit. I just want to hire one person and not have to deal with anything, which is why I feel so fortunate to be able to refer to my agency. There are some people that are like, nope, I just want a team and I don't want to have to worry about anything else. So I do get some no's, but the, but the yeses, they are starting to far outweigh the no's. And it's just, I think that this business model of bigger is better, you have to have a team that's kind of archaic because we can't be... One, one thing about the pandemic is that it really shifted people's priorities. Some artists, there are a lot of really reliable artists out there, but there are some that are not so reliable And it's becoming increasingly difficult to find those reliable artists and have a business model in place where we can still turn a profit as a business, but fairly compensate and generously compensate our artists for their time, their expertise, and our travel, right? Because those experienced artists, at least the ones that I want working for me, my friends, they're, they're busy. They have their whole career happening, so I can't rely on them to be available for me. So it's just becoming increasingly difficult to find that additional help. And then that just adds more of a burden to us. And we have to hide that and keep that from our brides so that we don't worry them. And that's just not something that I want to put on myself. You know, it's just, it's a different ball field having a team and doing these large weddings. And it's just not something that I feel not equipped, but like, yeah, I just don't feel equipped to handle, you know? Yeah. I'd love to unpack this a little bit if you wouldn't mind, because I just love, this is the great thing about podcasts is sometimes they can go in like a direction completely different to the notes, but I love that. I um, I just couldn't agree more really because I knew from quite 
early on in my career that I was not ever the personality type or I never really even had a desire to run a team. To me, it's just like so much work. And I know some people, they do it really, really well and it it works out really wonderfully. I feel like this is a really an opportunity for us to help people release a bit of that because I feel like that is when you're becoming a successful makeup artist, that is the career path that you're kind of driven down a little bit. Okay. You want to expand, you want to grow your business, you got to make a team and you don't have to, right? No. And I always thought that I had to, because for the longest time, I always worked for teams. And I feel like not only was that the time in my life where I felt like I was the most underpaid and unappreciated. But I also noticed that the people around me were just stressed out all the time, all the time. And so I think this notion that in order to have more, you have to do more, but that I don't think that's always the case. If you structure your business in a way that sets you up to have success working solo, the world is your oyster. You know, there is no cap. There is no end of success for you. And I also think it's really empowering because I feel like you're not relying on anybody else to carry the weight of your business. You know, I feel like I operate my business alone with my agency. Also, I feel like I have, I owe so much to, to my, to that. And it attributes to how busy I am. Definitely. But in terms of my business, everything I have built and everything I've been working on for the last seven years is mine. I built this, I created this, and I put myself where I am. So I think for us artists who do work solo, that it's really empowering to know that we don't have to rely on other people in order to feel like we have gained or garnered any sort of success. I also found, and I don't know if you find this as well, when I'm booked for a big party, let's say like my limit is like seven, six or seven is like my bridal limit. And I rarely do it nowadays, but kind of back in the day. And I would notice, you know, you could be that bride's perfect makeup artist. She has chosen you. She has booked you. She loves you. You're her soulmate artist and she's my soulmate client. But it's quite hard stats for you to be the soulmate artist for all six of those people <laughs> who are in the party, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think part of the reason why operating as a bride only artist, or maybe like the bride plus one, max two, when I'm working with my agency, is that I don't think we're meant to be for everybody. I think the moment I started telling myself, I am not for everybody and that's okay, was the moment that I really started to value myself as a talented artist. I think when we try to be everything for everyone, we lose a little bit of what makes us so special and why that bride booked us for that exact reason. A lot of that has come with rejection. Like I have had brides not book me. I have brides been like, you know what? I don't like your style, which I'm like, I appreciate your honesty, but ouch. <laughs> um, you know, that, that does come with a lot of rejection and to be in a place where you can feel like I don't have to be everything for everybody. It's, it's liberating. It takes the weight, a little bit of the weight off your shoulders. And I don't know, it just makes me value and appreciate like what makes me unique and why my brides seek me out 
you know, it, it makes, I don't know, it just makes me feel a little bit more appreciated and special to the people that do hire me. You said something earlier that really, really resonated with me. You said you didn't want to create a business where you're booked, 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 booked and busy. You wanted to create a business that was peaceful and... Yes, I don't want to be booked and busy. I want to be paid and peaceful. You can be booked, 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 but that doesn't mean you're being well paid. Being... Be, to be frank, at the end of the day, this is a job, right? We go to work, we work very hard for our for compensation. That is how I view my job. It is a job, right? If you're going to be booked, 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 and you don't really have much return for yourself, is it really serving you? You know what I mean? If you're a newer artist and you're doing things for experience or a portfolio building or a photo shoot, I feel like that's a completely different umbrella. But if you're an established artist and you're forcing yourself to be booked, 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 but you're stressed, 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 and you're overly busy and it's too much and you're just kind of always dragged down, is that really serving you? And I had to have a really hard look at how I was treating myself you know, 2020 really turned the corner for a lot of us. And I had some time to really think about how busy I was and what it was doing to my body, what it was doing to my soul, how it was not affecting my marriage because my marriage is like rock solid, but how I was showing up for my husband, you know, and I just had this epiphany Like, I don't need to be booking three weddings a week. You know, sometimes that happens just because that's the way life works out. But it's not my goal. I would rather live a life that's a little bit slower and has a lot more balance and peace in it than be trying to go work fashion week and trying to do this and jet setting and doing all this stuff. I'm I'm a creature of habit. I'm okay where I am. I love my habitat. And I'm just okay with the idea that you don't have to be hustling and grinding every single day. Your life can be enjoyable. You just have to set your business up to be so. If there is an artist or just a listener right now who feels very connected to what you're saying and wants to slow down and wants to stop putting so much pressure on themselves, what advice do you have for that person? I think that we kind of have to be forced into the position to reevaluate things because such a large part of our industry has always been centered around, and this was especially prevalent when I was a younger artist, you have to work for it. You have to pay your dues. You know, that mentality behind a lot of what our industry is centered around. And I think when we forcefully remove ourselves from that mind frame, which that's precisely what the pandemic did. All I had was time to think about it. We start to be able to look at things objectively. So when you look at things objectively, which means without looking at money, without looking at outside factors and how it affects it, you really start to see the nitty gritty of what you're dealing with. So I would encourage anyone that really is feeling overworked, underappreciated, undervalued, strip away all the noise, strip away all of the things that are distracting you from the fact that you might not be happy, or you might be burnt out, strip away all of those things and look at the facts. 
I'll use myself as an example. The facts were for me a couple years ago, I was working for a team where I didn't feel properly compensated. I was working too many weddings and I was exhausted. I was not charging enough for my expertise and my value. All of that compounded made me believe that I had to work more. So then I dissected those primary three things and I just kind of readjusted my business structure and and started pulling some of those things out that were compounding all of these negative feelings that I was starting to have about my job. I think as business owners, we're really emotionally invested in things. But I think in order to have balance, you have to remove the emotion from it, from a business perspective. If you know something's not working for you, you have to remove the emotion from it and make a business decision because that's what we are doing. We are running a business at the end of the day. This is a business, a business of service. The more burnt out and the more lackluster we are about our job, that's going to filter into how you feel and how you work every day. So just strip away the noise Find out what's at the core of feeling exhausted, why you're not feeling happy in your career, and just make the necessary adjustments. You'll figure out how to do it. You don't need to be a massive brainstormer. You just need to get down to the nitty gritty of the why you're feeling the way you are. When I'm editing this, I'm going to do what you just said. I'm going to like do a giant mind map and get to like the nitty gritty of my own business because I think that's perfect answer. And it's hard to do because, at least for myself, I wanted to think that I had this amazing business model and that I was this boss and nothing could ever go wrong. Not that anything ever went wrong, but I never thought I'd reach a point where I started to feel, and I hate to say this because I love my job with every fiber of my being, but a little bit resentful towards my job and how much I was working. I don't want that. I don't want to feel that way. And I don't ever want to feel that way, especially when it comes to working in weddings, because we know no matter what happens, like you show up, you show out. I found out that I had cancer two days before I had to show up on a four day commercial set to assist my agent. And I had to put all of that to the side, show up for work, do my job, and then can melt down when I get home. You know what I mean? So it's like, we really have to separate what's happening in our personal life from our clients because it will really affect their wedding day. You know what I mean? If it had been a wedding day, I still would have had to show up, be 100% because that client, though she would have empathized with me 100%, I'm sure that's her experience. And we have to think about our client's experience at the core of everything. So when you're feeling lackluster about your job, whether you know it or not, that's going to filter in to your client's experience. What are some mistakes you made in the early days? Oh my gosh. Let me pull out my list. (laughs) Here's my long list of things that Rachel did wrong, but you can learn from. The very first thing, and I attribute this to being so young and probably a little bit naive, is that you don't have it all figured out. I thought when I graduated beauty school, I was going to just be making all this money right off the bat. And I was going to, you know, when I started doing weddings, I felt very much the same way. And I was very quickly humbled. And I was humbled by the 2008 recession that happened here in the United States that humbled me very quickly. And um, I found that it was very difficult to build my business 
So I think not thinking that you know everything from the get-go and being humble and moldable and flexible with what you are willing to learn and willing to do is so important. So another really big mistake that I see a lot of artists making and that I also made myself was not making sure to do your research on the financial and legal side. I think we're so preoccupied with the idea of showing up and doing the work that we forget that this is a whole business. If we're conducting business in your state or your country, wherever it might be, it has to be done legally or you will end up with a lawsuit. You need insurance. You need, you might need a business license there. You might need a cosmetology license. So looking at the larger ramifications of not operating your business from a financial and legal standpoint. Also a huge mistake. Financially, you need to know how you're going to pay yourself, pay any assistance you might have, the overhead cost of doing your business, administrative fees, you know, any financial, how you're going to retire, you know, like I'm married and I feel like my husband and I have a good plan. But if you are a younger artist you're not married, you're solo, but you still need to be thinking about your future, putting away money into a retirement or some type of savings. When the pandemic hit, thank goodness I had the foresight to think ahead for that because there was a year where your girl really wasn't getting paid. So I think just not thinking about the bigger picture and thinking about the future, especially from a financial and legal standpoint. And the last thing that I think is so important is failing to have a firm grasp of how the world of wedding hair and makeup works, right? This isn't something in order, well, I mean, you can, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. This isn't really a job where you can just walk in and be like, I'm a bridal hair and makeup artist. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to let people sit down. I'm going to let them do whatever they want. I'm not going to have a timeline. I'm not going to have any of this. You have to know how weddings work. And that comes with experience. And you get that experience by assisting and working weddings and learning from artists that know what they're doing. So if anybody is listening to this and you are newer to the wedding industry I really encourage you to do some research, listen to some podcasts from professional wedding vendors, network with wedding vendors, network with fellow makeup artists, get a really good understanding of how operating as a wedding business owner works because it is so different than just showing up for an an engagement appointment or working at a beauty counter I made a joke the other day that like 90% of our job you would think would be showing up and doing our makeup. When in reality, it's 10% doing makeup, 90% administrative, business, legal. It's so much more in depth than you could ever think. So it's really important to know the ins and outs of business, of the legal aspect of it, and also how to operate as a wedding vendor in general. Absolutely. Could not agree more, especially with your last point about, I mean, all three, but the third one, knowing how a bridal wedding morning goes, 
Oh my gosh. If I could tell you the very first wedding I worked, Rachel, and what I wore and like getting the pictures back and seeing like chipped nails and seeing like my kit looking like not nice and seeing like, why am I wearing green floral trousers? You really need to like not approach this as a glam and go. It is. And I think that kind of mind frame is I'm going to treat my business like a business. I'm not going to treat my business like I'm just showing up for something. I am running a whole business. You know what I mean? And this might be, I hope this doesn't sound like anti-feminist because it's the total opposite. But when you represent yourself and your business, all you have is what people see of you and what people perceive of your business. So when you're putting your best foot forward, and this isn't even from a vanity standpoint, because contrary, this is so ironic. I don't wear a ton of makeup. I don't have a fancy hairstyle. I try to just keep it polished, minimal, whatever. But I always try to be mindful. How is this person perceiving me? Even on social media, my website, from every aspect, I'm just thinking, what is my, what is it any potential client going to think when they see this? Is this is a potential client going to be turned off by this? Or are they going to be like, wow, she really values her business. It has nothing to do with my talent. It has nothing to do with my abilities. It has to do with the client's perception of me as a business owner. So your business practices will show themselves when you're not doing the work to think about financial, legal, and the business side of things. It just kind of all filters in together. And I I don't think that's like anti-feminist at all, because I really do think that is, this is the first impression. And if you are turning up like, you know, and you look hungover or, you know, you haven't brushed your hair, like you would perceive somebody a certain way if you saw that. So it's just kind of flipping it back on you and thinking like, what would I think of me today from just a three second first impression? Precisely. And I am the queen of being low maintenance, right? I am a very low maintenance person, but I have found ways, and this could be like, oh, little fashion, like little fashion secret. But I have found that even when you don't have on a ton of makeup, you don't have a gorgeous blowout, you're not wearing heels, if you tailor yourself with a nice pair of casual black slacks, a nice cute belt and a black shirt, you look like you just stepped out of the Gucci store. Like you can look so chic and put together with minimal effort, right? I'm not saying you have to like go and be so done up, but when you put in effort, people and your clients, they notice it and they notice you and it can really set you apart from a business standpoint. Remember, we're thinking everything from a business standpoint, not a vanity standpoint. From a business standpoint, that can really set you apart in a very positive way. So show up for yourself and show up for your clients in a way that like makes them have the utmost confidence in you. This podcast is brought to you by the Level Up Club, my monthly membership for makeup artists. Imagine a place created with done-for-you monthly resources and coaching, literally everything you need to create and scale a profitable, thriving makeup business. Well, it exists and it's called the Level Up Club. I am so proud of this membership. I literally poured my heart and soul into it. Inside, you will find monthly Canva templates, monthly stock images, social media calendars, email templates, workflows, 
pro program lists, agency lists, monthly coaching and conversations with the people who can help smash gatekeeping. I'm talking agency owners, PRs, top makeup artists and experts. They're all inside. And not only that, but monthly in-person events. We have already held portfolio days, headshot days, branding days, and so much more is coming. The club is taking the mystery out of making money. Your makeup business doesn't have to be make-believe, and I'm showing you how. And guess what? It's only £30 a month. In London, that's literally two hot chocolates. I'm not even kidding. So come and join us, the only membership I promise you'll ever need. Now, back to the pod. And I don't know about you, but I find for me, when I go to a wedding, I don't put makeup on sometimes for them. I kind of put it on for me because it's kind of like face on, I'm ready. It's like a mindset thing. Like you said, you don't have to be wearing like big blowout. You don't need to be wearing like designer threads. But if you look, if you feel like you look good, you will come out of that room. You will just have a different energy to you. So I think it's always worth just putting in like a, just a tiny bit of effort for your own sake as well. Yes, definitely. It's like showing up for yourself in your business. Like just show up, even if it's in the little way of a little bit of makeup and a cute outfit. And I have to tell myself this on a day-to-day basis because I was in a period when, you know, working from home and just being home in general, just living in leggings and, you know, a half zip and calling it a day. And it was such, once we started returning more to work and I started returning more to luxury events, I really had to shift my mind frame and be like, okay, no, like pencil skirt, like maxi dress. You know what I mean? Like I really had to shift my mind frame because it's so easy to get comfortable in what we're wearing. And we think, oh, we're just in the background. Like nobody's paying attention to me. It's not my wedding day. Nobody's looking at me, but they are. They really are. And people notice, people notice those little things. And it's like, if you don't have the energy to show up for yourself, like how do I know you have the energy to show up for me for my wedding day? A hundred percent. You said it so well just then. So we've talked about the things that didn't go right. But what are some things that you think you've done over particularly the last kind of eight years? What are the things you've done well that you would credit in kind of your success? This is a toughie because I hate feeling like I'm inflating myself. So I just want to make sure that I'm like humble about it. Cause like, I don't want anyone to think like, Oh, she thinks she's better than us. Like definitely not. I have failed more times than I could count. One of the first things is I made myself very moldable, right? Once I moved to Napa, I knew that I really had no choice other than to succeed because if I didn't, if I couldn't make it work in the Napa Valley, there's something wrong with me. I couldn't make it work anywhere. So I really had to make myself moldable and teachable to what it would take to be successful in this market. And I did that by assisting. And I assisted uh, more of like a luxury brand. They were a team. And I just tried to learn everything I could from working in that capacity. And also adapting right when i worked when i went from working for that team to getting represented by my agency i had to do a quick pivot because it was a very different type of business model so i think just knowing or having the mind frame that i could be moldable and i could still be teachable even after all these years i've done more in the past 7ish years than i had ever in my early career 
So I think just making myself really moldable, making myself really teachable and being willing to learn and grow was exceptionally important. I also think looking at my business from a business standpoint was, I know we talked about this in depth, was probably the biggest thing because I always thought makeup had hair and makeup had to be a side hustle. It could never be what actually paid my bills. It was that mind frame that was so harmful to me because I was limiting myself and making excuses for myself. Just kind of really structuring it around a solid business practice that that could not have been more helpful in turning my passion into an actual business, a successful, lucrative business. And I think also a lot of success comes down to what we tell ourselves we can and can't do. I always kind of told myself, this is so out of touch. This is so out of reach. You're way overreaching. It wasn't until I started telling myself and also kind of other people telling me and reaffirming how I feel about what I do and encouraging me that I ultimately started to really bloom and blossom. And that is across every spectrum from my personal life to my business, to my social media, to everything in between. I, when I started my business, it was my husband telling me like, okay, like I know you can do this, but you have to do it because you're quitting your job and you know, you're quitting your career to make this work. So we kind of have to make it work. Like I'm going to, I'm going to push you off the edge and you're going to fly because you have to fly or you're going to (laughs) fall. So absolutely. I always say to like my students and to myself as well, side hustle energy equals side hustle output. If it's a side hustle, that's all it is, you know, but when you shift that mindset and it's like, big business energy or small business energy or just business energy. That's what it is. And it's that little mindset shift that tells you, I just think you give it a different energy when you do that little shift, right? Totally. Totally. And I think once you have that shift, it's really difficult to go back to that idea of, like we mentioned earlier, side hustle, 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 hustle. And it filters more into business. This is my business. I'm treating it as a business, which I'm so grateful to be in that spot now because I never want to have to hustle again. (laughs) Never again. You mentioned community and that is actually a really nice kind of segue to something that I really wanted to talk to you about, which was your community. I've followed you for a good few years now, probably since the pandemic. I love the community that you have built up around kind of your following on social media, especially your educational. And I'm the biggest fan of your kit content. I just love oh, it, Rachel. thank you. <laughs> so would you mind telling us how did this community get started? You know, I don't really know. <laughs> I think one day I can't, I might've been listening to a podcast or listening to someone on social media talking about showing up authentically. And I had always been terrified. I know I have had friends who, this was in like 2016, 2017. 
um, they're on the influencer side of things. And I saw like how much work it was. And they always had to show up with a smile on their face. And I was like, you know what? I really just want no part of that. I'm not interested in growing, right? This is a business. I was very like one, one level with that. She encouraged me to, one of my friends really encouraged me just like show up. If you want to be successful, like on social media, people want to see your face. They want to see your personality. And I was like, I, I, my personality is not the best. Like I'm kind of a nerd. I don't, you know, I'm not relatable. I'm pretty, but like, I'm not gorgeous and glamorous, but like whatever, I'll do it. And so I started to show up a little bit more myself. And I started like sharing little stories and I just started showing up more authentically and being less afraid. And I have always been afraid of what people think of me. It's deeply rooted and it's something I need to work through in therapy. But at the same time, it also, you know, situations like this, they encourage me to think outside of think outside of my comfort zone. So I just started showing up more authentically. I would get these like little kit solutions and be like, God, I hate this packaging. I'm not saying by any means that I like, I, I discovered the idea of depotting or did any of that. I'm not claiming any of it. I'm just saying that I just started doing it. I just started sharing like, this is kind of cool. Like I took this and made this and it's way smaller and it fits and it's not super heavy. And I, so I just started showing up in that capacity. People's minds were like, And then the pandemic happened and we got hyper aware of cleanliness and organization. There was, there are so many of us that like focus on this. There's Artist Arsenal, there's Rashawn, aka Deepak Chopra, who is like a queen. I love her so much. She's so sweet. Artist Arsenal, Artist Kit Company, like there are just so many amazing accounts and brands that kind of, we kind of all steamrolled into this together. So many of us geeking out over this concept, I guess, that I was so passionate about. I don't want to say I'm passionate about organization because that makes me sound like a nerd. But you know, it's to have a clean, it all comes down to our business. Like when we have a clean organized kit, people notice. So I just started sharing more about that and more about organization. And that kind of filtered into how your organized makeup kit affects your business, how it affects your clients from a health and safety and sanitation point of view, how it helps your back. <laughs> like there's, you know, there were so many ways. And I just started sharing and posting and making content that was shareable and inspirational for people to also get their kit and make it clean and sanitary and to ultimately improve our industry as a whole. Because when one artist shows up with a dirty, disgusting kit, that person sees that that's their entire perception of everybody, regardless of if it's just one person. If that's any one person's one experience with a makeup artist, they're going to remember that. If we all try to have these clean, organized kits, we change how people perceive our industry and how people perceive makeup artistry. Because there are people who have been so burned by us that they don't trust us anymore. They've gotten infections. I myself have gotten an infection in my face from a makeup artist. It was traumatizing. And um, it's just... I just, yeah, I just wanted to really inspire people to do better for themselves, their clients, and their business. And then I just 
one day, I think I just stopped caring about what people thought of me on the internet. And I started to filter more into the educational, aspirational aspect of things and share more about my application techniques, which people like really appreciate and they love my style, which I find that to be so flattering. That turned into me offering education and now traveling for education. And it's just kind of been this magnificent snowball just because one person told me to start breaking out of my shell and show up more on social media for my business. Here I am now with like 50,000 people. Some of them are probably bots, let's be real. But to think that that many people and the that they care about what I'm saying. And not only that, but they care about me as a human being. Like I shared something about my dog one time. I have an epileptic dog and he was not doing well. I had hundreds of DMs, just support and love and just kindness. And I also try to reciprocate that back. You know, like I always try to share with people and be available for advice because I wish that I had that advice when I was younger. You know, if I had access to me when I was 18 in this industry, just starting out, I'd have been like, what are you doing? Like, get it together, sis. You know, I wish I had someone like 36-year-old Rachel that could help me when I was younger. So I just think it's just, it's just blossomed from something as small as sharing. I put this blush in this little palette or this liquid in this tiny little bottle and it snowballed and like, here we are. It's insane. You're not wrong. I would have loved you when I was buying my kit. Oh my God, you would have saved me so much money and space. Yeah. I think that we look at our kits at these things that are just like there and to utilize, but they're like ever evolving and ever growing and they change every week. So it's like to have that ability to bounce ideas off and problem solve on something as easy as Instagram is just like, it's a game changer. I know I can go in and I can go to Grishon's page and be like, right, where's the solution for this? You know, to have access to all of that is just like, it's, an, it's incredible. And it's something our industry so needs. So you were one of the first people I saw to get the Instagram subscription. Nobody else had it. And you were like the only person I know that had it for quite a long time. And now it's just rolled out to everyone else. Can you tell us about that? Tell us what your Instagram subscription involves and is it further nurturing that community? I think you're one of the first people that can discuss this with some experience, you know? Yeah. So I, last year, I toyed with the idea of expanding, I don't want to say expanding my social media, because that's not what it was about. But expanding what I'm offering to people on social media. And I toyed with the idea of starting a Patreon or potentially starting my own platform on my website, like a, an educational platform. And the more I started thinking about it, I said, I have all of these amazing people who follow me on social media. What are the chances that they're going to want to leave following me on social media? Not leave, but have to go somewhere else for information. And I was like, you know, to add in another platform just sounds like a lot of additional work. And then Instagram sent me a notification that says, you are available for subscriptions. And I was like, what is that? Let's learn more. So I looked into it and it is the easiest way to get content, exclusive, beneficial content out to 
the people who already appreciate and value the type of content that I share. I am not trying to pull them away from any other sort of platform, not trying to build a new community. I have my amazing community right here. They're so, so supportive. So I launched my subscription in November and it really has been quite a learning curve because I initially thought that I wanted, when I was kind of building the structure around it, I initially thought that I wanted it to be very beauty centered, right? Here's how I apply my business and that. That way, the professional community and my clients could have some benefit from it. When I took a look at my analytics and I did some research on exactly who follows me, a large chunk of who follow me are professional bridal hair and makeup artists. So I said, okay, that's clearly my demographic. I should know this by now, but that's, you know, the reality of the situation. So I created this kind of umbrella term for the type of content that I share, which is a, it is a platform that is uh, very structured. At least I really try for it to be. It is structured, thoughtful, and well-articulated content for professional bridal hair and makeup artists. There are a variety of different topics that I talk about each week, each day. I try to share something at least three to four times a week on busier weeks sometimes. That's a little bit more difficult, but I plan my content out in advance. I do polls on my subscriber only stories because you get access to like secret stories and you have an entire feed of, I think there's now over like 130 or 150 different videos and posts all available and accessible to my subscribers. But I'm constantly asking like, what do you want to see? And someone will be like, websites need to know more. So I'll put up a question box. What do you want to know about websites? And then I'll do a whole Q&A and answer everybody's questions. Um, I also try to do a feedback Friday every so often. That way people can submit their work to me and I give them constructive and caring feedback because I know that it can be difficult to ask for feedback. And in some capacities, like sometimes on the Facebook groups, people do it in a way that is straightforward, but also, which I appreciate, there is a, there's a way you can deliver things in a way that's kind and supportive. So I just want to give people a space where they can feel supported in their work and get a legitimate feedback, you know? So there's, we talk about social media, we talk about business practices. Um, from an objective standpoint, I've done a whole kind of spiel on why contracts are beneficial and certain things that you need to look at when you're creating a contract. There's a ton of kit stuff in there. There are tutorials. It's just kind of like a melting pot of business and technical information. And I also do my best to focus a lot on the mental health side of things. So I do little sequences. I did one on like how to handle rejection how to, you know, what to do if you bomb a trial, or if you have a client that like, is firing you, like how to handle that from a professional, but also an emotional standpoint. Because I do think that mental health has a lasting impact on what we do. We are in a very emotionally invested job, right? So it can be very hard on our mental health, especially when things are difficult. It's really, I don't want to say it's a ton of diff, you know, it's not like YouTube channel, but it is very in-depth business and practice centered information that even from a, I have veteran artists who follow me and are subscribed to this, who have been doing this 
for like longer than I've probably been alive. Like there are some people on there that follow me. I'm like, you're here. You you want to know what I have to say about this? But and it really just is so nice to connect with people who genuinely want to connect with me and learn more about this side of the industry that I have what feels to be like an endless supply of knowledge about. So it's just it's such a great way to share that. And it's an easy way to share that with the people who already value my content, because they're already on my Instagram page, they just have to click on the little icon, and they get all of this incredible content available to them. Oh, wow. So we are pro subscriptions. Yes. Uh, At least I think here's the thing too. I was very curious when I, because when I rolled it, when I rolled mine out, I, I was like, well, I wonder if anyone else is really doing this. And I saw that one or two other people were doing it and they had, they weren't posting anything. I subscribed to a few people for like a month to see, cause I'm like, Oh, maybe they post like once a week, you know, it's $5. So to get $5 to get the amount of content that is shared for me for $5 is I, I share from what my subscribers have told me, I share a lot of content, which is, I think that's great because it keeps me busy. <laughs> um, but there were other people that I subscribed to just out of curiosity and they didn't post anything at all. And so, and that was a lot of the feedback that I got from the other artists who were subscribed was that like, I can't believe you're actually sharing information. Cause I think that there's this notion that people are just doing it as a money grab when in reality it's, it's, it's like a well articulated platform and it's well curated and it's curated to the people who are active in it. So I'm definitely pro subscription, but I would encourage anybody if they are hoping to subscribe to someone, go to their subscription feed and see if they have like a preview video, right? Like my preview video is pinned right at the top of my page so people can see the, t- the type of content that's there. But you know, just do if you want to subscribe to someone, just see how active they are and see if it's something that's like you're wanting to benefit from. Like if people's posting a subscription, it's like how to paint your nails, like and you're not going to benefit from that, like that might not be the best subscription for you, you know, but definitely pro subscriptions. Um, I do love it. It's and it's such a great way to con- further connect with your audience and further connect with everyone that follows you. I guess my last question before we write, we get onto the game is what advice do you, a seasoned subscriptions veteran, have for me, a newbie in kind of getting started, getting the ball rolling, do's and don'ts? What would you tell me? So I think the most important thing when you are curating some type of subscription content is to have a little bit of a structure right? I noticed that as more people were trickling into my subscription, the more requests I was getting from them directly, and they all had to do under the same umbrella of the same four topics. They wanted social media, they wanted technical stuff, they wanted business stuff, and they just wanted a peek into everyday life, reality-based stuff. So those were kind of the pillars that I created to curate my content around. So whatever your content niche will be, I encourage anyone that is hoping to curate a platform like this, just have a plan. Have a plan of four, two, even just two categories of styles of content that you want to share and kind of map out with a list just write down all your ideas. I have like four note pages just chock full of ideas and 
have a structure to how you're going to curate it because people want consistency, especially when they're investing in something, even if it's something as small as like a $5 subscription, they want to know what they're going to be getting. So to have a bit of consistency and a pattern that you follow is really, really beneficial. Another thing I would encourage is to um, don't be afraid to show up on a more personal level. Because when I started this subscription, I was like, as I always am, business, 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 that I forgot like, oh, people also want to follow me because they like, like my personality and they want to like get to know me as a person. Cause I feel like a lot of, you know, my followers are like my friends, you know, I feel very connected to them on that level. So also don't forget to show up like authentically and like yourself, because that's why People ultimately want to know you as a person. They obviously want this amazing information, but they want to know who you are too. So just have a plan and show up authentically. And I think that you would be, and I would subscribe to you at a heartbeat just because you know you're so sweet. And I know you have so much valuable information to, to share with everybody. So I think it's an amazing platform and it's just such an amazing opportunity to further expand you know, what you offer to your social media. Thank you. I love that. I'm definitely going to take those tips when I re-edit this. I'm going to write them all down so they go in my brain. Do you have time for a game? Oh, of course. I love a game. So at the end of every podcast, I just do a little game called Smashing the Gate. It's basically quick fire round of questions that smash the gates of gatekeeping. So really like you don't, you can elaborate by the way as well. If you want to elaborate on any of these, feel free. That's kind of the purpose of this as well is we want to smash the gates of gatekeeping. And every single one of these bar one, which is mine, was asked by our community. Yay. Okay. I love this. Let's go. Okay. So Katie at Glow by Katie asks, what are your top Instagram tips? Okay. Be consistent. Post at least once or twice a week. Show up authentically. Don't try to be someone you're not. Just show up as you and people will love it. And also don't forget that people nowadays on social media, they want to know the person behind the business. Don't think that if you share a picture of your dog or that you're going to Trader Joe's, that that's going to be seen as unprofessional. People thrive on that. They want to know the person behind the brand. And that's the biggest way that social media has pivoted is that it went from being a business platform to a social platform. It is truly social now. So don't be afraid to just like show up, be you, be authentic, and just share the content that makes you happy. I couldn't agree more. The reason why I connected so much with you, obviously you create great content, but I loved that I got little peeks into your day. Like I got peeks into what you were wearing. You do your little cute outfit of the days. I got peeks into like your ballet. I got tiny little peeks into like where you were at, like, you know, um, if you were busy or, you know, maybe some little struggles that you were going through that week. And it really makes me as a, as a follower of yours feel like I know a little bit about you. And that, and that breaks down a barrier where I know I could maybe DM you about something or, you know, it feels like you have a little friend across the sea. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, we, I think everybody's mindset behind social media is shifting from something that was once seen as so serious to now it's like, we are just this big connected web, especially our industry. We're this big connected web. And I have grown to have so many good friends in Milwaukee, in Minnesota, across the pond in England. Like there are just, there's so many ways that we can connect and uplift each other 
and also be there for our clients. So just showing up authentically and truthfully is is just going to be so beneficial. Gabby asks, nice artistry question here from Gabby. What is your all-time favorite cream bronzer? Oh no, don't make me choose. Okay, okay, okay. Can I have more than one? Because they have different purposes. Yeah, okay. We'll allow that. We'll allow that. Okay, so for a cream bronzer that is more of a matte finish, I love the Charlotte Tilbury cream bronzer. For something that is a little bit more sheer and buildable, I love the Danessa Myricks Balm Contour. Love that. I've not used either of those. So that's really exciting. I think you're enabling me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Could you tell me one that... No, actually, I was going to say one you didn't like, but we don't want to, we don't want to go down that path. <laughs> we don't and, no, like and it's it. hard because like, if I, and if I don't like it, like I kind of just forget about it. Like I couldn't <laughs> even tell you if I tried. Let's not go on blast today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is, this is my question. You're going to hate this question. I think if you could use only one brand in your kit for the rest of your life, what would it be? Who would it be? Kaylee, why are you doing this to me? I knew this was an evil question when I wrote it down, but I was like, I just kind of need to know. I know. Okay. So I really want to say Charlotte Tilbury, but to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of her concealers and foundations. So like that's automatically out. RCMA, I feel like they're good quality, but again, like their foundation's too hard to use. I would have to say probably Makeup Forever because I feel like across the board, their products are the most straightforward, right? Their HD foundation can be sheared down, made to be glowy. It is, it can be luminous. It can be sheer. They have so many different formulations of foundations. Their bronzers, blushes, all of that are straightforward and their products are very multi-use. So I would probably have to say makeup forever. That was really hard. (laughs) I can imagine. I was thinking like, what would my answer be? But I feel like that's a good artist answer. Yeah. What would you choose? I, w- I think I would choose MAC for just the same reasons. They're so vast that even with the like crappy MAC products, you can like mix. Like I don't really like MAC foundations, but I know I could mix a few products to get something nice. And, you know, they've got like yeah, loads of like... I think about MAC. But Makeup Forever is really similar. I feel like they're both like same energy. Definitely. Next question. Gabby has asked again. I love that, Gabby, you're asking the double question. I love it. How do you juggle it all? Business, clients, and the day-to-day? Do you have any tips? Oh my gosh. That's a really good question because honestly, I don't even know how I juggle it all. Sometimes I think about the people who have children and I'm like, people who have children, you are actual superheroes to be able to juggle everything. Single people with children, married people with children, regardless, you just have so much more on your plate than I could ever imagine. So first, let me tip my hat to the people who have children. I think it all comes down to prioritizing. And the first thing I prioritize over anything is time with my husband and rest. Those are non-negotiables for me. And they didn't always used to be that way, right? Um, So at the core of everything, I always try to think about those two things. This week, can I get time with my husband? And I can I also rest? And so I try to make time for that 
if it's not automatically there, I'm going to cancel a plan. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I get what I need. For some people, that might look like going to a yoga class or taking an hour to go to a dance class or something that feeds your soul going shopping. You know, whatever toots your horn, just make sure that you carve time out for that. Because if it's not already there, you have to make time for it, right? It's not just going to magically, the time to do what you want to do is not going to just magically show up. You have to make it, especially when you're busy. And just try to keep the perspective of, I have a job, I am not my job, right? I really try to separate Rachel, the makeup artist, the influencer, the educator from Rachel, the wife, the yoga enthusiast, the ballet dancer. Like I, they're two completely separate people. They both act the same. I'm not, I don't have like alter egos, but on paper, they're two different people and they, they lead not two different lives, but they have two different sets of priorities that both need to be attended to. So just try to separate personal and work and just carve out the time because if you don't have the time, like that's nobody's fault but my own if I don't make time for myself, you know? I love that answer. Perfect answer. Christy asks, where do you get most of your clients from? Are they referrals, social media, website? Where do they come from? So a lot of my business, I'm really happy to say I'm pretty much referral based at this point. I get all of my new clients are from referrals. Some people do find me on social media or, you know, my agency will will book me clients whom I have not met before. So for that, I am exceptionally grateful. But a lot of people who come to me are not told to come to me, but you know, I I have a reputation for a very unique style and um, a certain way that I practice my work. And so people are like, oh, I have the artist for you. If this is exactly what you're looking for, you have to call Rachel. And that makes me feel really special and really valued and cared about by our vendor community that they trust me enough to refer me. So a lot of referrals, if you are struggling with referrals, take a look at your network. That's an entirely other podcast. Like That's a whole podcast on that. But um, take a look at your network and build your network and those referrals will come. Last question comes from Katrina Rose Makeup and she has asked, what are your top tips to becoming recognized and respected? And I know why she asked this because a lot of people in my community, when I was saying, oh, I'm interviewing Rachel today, a lot of people would say how how much they respect you and how much they look up to you and admire you. You've really got such a beautiful reputation. So I guess that's where that question is coming from. So what are your top tips for that? That's first of all, that's very humbling. Like that makes me feel really good because I've always been of the impression, especially in our work that, and this goes outside the realm of hair and makeup artistry, is that how you make people feel is more important than how you make them look. How we treat people, how we interact with people, even in the smallest of ways, has a long lasting impression. So just from a personal standpoint, I feel like the respect that you give is then returned back to you. If you treat people with kindness and you are authentically kind, not in a way that's self-seeking or self-centered, or if you are doing something for a benefit of your own, that's going to translate out into the world. And people are going to be like, wow, not only is Rachel like a really great artist, 
she's very kind. Someone telling me that I'm a good person and that I'm a kind human being is so much more valuable to me than someone saying, oh my gosh, she does the best makeup. That means nothing because at the end of the day, I'm not going to be doing makeup forever, but I am going to be a good person up until the day I die. So from a personal standpoint, that's kind of like the crux of it all. From a business standpoint, this is where like... (laughs) it just kind of flips. I always have been of the impression that the respect you ask for is the respect that you're given. So setting clear boundaries, right? If we are having problems with people who are walking all over us or are not respecting our time or are not valuing us as people, look intrinsically and say, Have I done anything to give them an inch where they feel like they can take a mile? Have I set up my business practices to reflect of that one that demands respect? Because respect isn't always given. There is a certain type of person who will treat one person horribly and treat the next person right next to them with the utmost respect. And you have to have a bit of a backbone. You have to have boundaries. And you have to not demand because demand is not the word. Demand is not the focus of the word, but you have to ask to be given the respect that you deserve, right? And we do that by setting clear boundaries, setting clear expectations, and also removing a little bit of the emotion from some of the topics that we kind of have to have as business owners. On a personal level, focus on being a good person, being kind, being welcoming, being a good person in general. And then from a business standpoint, just demand the respect that you feel like you deserve in a way that's constructive and kind and obviously client-centered, but be sure you have boundaries in place and are really focused on you know being respected because that's that's important. I love that. That was a great answer to finish on. Where can everybody find you? You can find me. I'm usually somewhere on Instagram posting my silly little nothings. My Instagram is Rachel period L-U-S-K-H-M-U-A. If you don't, I mean, I'm sure you can just type in Rachel, I'll pop up somewhere. But yeah, you can find me on my Instagram. And that's, I would say you can find me on TikTok, but I'm like kind of not the biggest fan of TikTok. But yeah, I'm just really active on social media and you never feel intimidated to say hi. I don't know why you would feel intimidated because like, who the heck am I? But you can always shoot me a DM. I love making friends and I'm just so grateful to have had this time with you today. Honestly, me too, Rachel. It has been honestly like... I have just wanted this conversation forever because, you know, I'm just the biggest fan of your content. For anybody who doesn't know, hasn't heard of Rachel, I promise go over to her page. It is the most beautiful safe space for artists to grow and learn together. Your community is just so stunning. And my my biggest, biggest gratitude for coming on today. Just thank you so much for your time so early in the morning. Oh, of course. I am like the early bird. I'm like the earlier, the better. Like my day, I'm such a grandma. My day ends at four o'clock. I'm like, right. She is ready for bed. I'm ready for a snooze by 4 p.m. So (laughs) this was fantastic. (laughs) You have been listening to a podcast by Kaylee. Thank you so much for tuning in today and being on this mission with me to self-improvement and taking steps towards financial empowerment. 
If you liked what you heard today, be sure to follow me on the gram at Podcast, where I post pretty much daily. I would also love to hear your thoughts, feedback and energy. So please do leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you are listening today. In the meantime, I want you to go forward, believe in yourselves and be the change you want to see. Bye guys.